Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we are continuing in our series, Start Here as we head into the fall. And today we're, we're, we're looking at how we serve the Lord our God with all of our strength. Strength. We talk about the heart. Heart is, is good, not, not a wrong answer, it's part of it. But walking through week one, we talked about the heart. And the heart is the CEO, it's that executive center. We talked about what that means. And, and then week two, we talked about the soul and about how the soul integrates everything, right? It, it, it brings everything together, and the soul is that part of us that lives forever. Week three, we talked about the mind that was last week and about how important the mind is, and, and all of these, they're online. We also, our podcast is going. If you go to our, uh, to our, um, our website, shorelinecc.com, or wherever you get your podcast, we're also there as well. You can go back and lis- listen to that. And this week, we're talking about what it means to worship the Lord with all of our strength as we talk about the flesh. And this comes from our key verse, our verse, and then I'd like to encourage you, all of you, if you could read this with me. This is Mark 12, verses 29 through 31. Can we read this together? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your, with all your, and with all your, and with all your. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these greater than these. And of course, this is the, the, the famous Shema from, from the uh, Jewish tradition that they would, every good Jewish person would, would read this morning and night. And of course, today as we talk about what it means to worship the Lord with all of our strength or this flesh part of us, uh, Romans 12, 1 to 2 comes to mind as well. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, he said, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. And then he says, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he, that's God, the kind God will find acceptable. And then Paul says, this is truly the way to worship him. And then verse 2, he continues, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can I share another scripture with you today? Because God's words are better than mine, okay? So Romans 8, 13, this is a paraphrase. It says, no longer present the parts of your body to sin as weapons of wickedness, but present yourselves to God like people who coming out of death have eternal life and present your bodily parts to him as weapons of righteousness. That's Dallas Willard's paraphrase of that. See, when we're, what we're talking about, when we look at this verse and we look at all the ways that we worship the Lord and how we're to follow hard after God, what we're really talking about is we're talking about spiritual uh, transformation into Christ-likeness. And I love, we, we've been quoting Dallas Willard a lot. How many of you went out and you got that book, Dallas Willard, Renovation of the Heart? Anybody do that? Powerful book. I've been handing it out and giving it to the people. And I even, I go through Goodwill, and I, when I see Dallas Willard, I just grab it just so I can give it to somebody going along. But here's what Dallas Willard says. He says, spiritual transformation into Christ-likeness, I've said, is the process of forming the inner world of the human self 
in such a way that it takes on the character of the inner being of Jesus himself. The result is that the outer life of the individual increasingly becomes a natural expression of the inner reality of Jesus and his teachings. Isn't that true? He's saying that that the whole process of of spiritual transformation is about the the inner parts of us, those parts that people don't see, of those being so transformed so that what happens on the outside is a natural reflection of who Jesus is, right? A lot of times, even when people walk uh, walk, walk through addiction, overcoming addiction, instead of just dealing with the symptom of addiction and saying, just work harder and saying, why the addiction? They will tell you that instead of saying, why the addiction? Ask the question, why the pain? Because what happens on the outside is just symptomatic of a deeper issue that's going on. This is true spiritually. This is true in every part of our lives. Dallas Willard goes on to say, he says, doing what he said and did increasingly becomes a part of who we are. But for this to happen, our body must increasingly be poised to do what is good and refrain from what is evil. The inclinations to wrongdoing that literally inhabits its parts must be eliminated. The body must come to serve us as a primary ally in Christ-likeness. So today, as we dive into this, much like we've done with all of the other parts walking through, is we're going to begin by looking at the purpose of the body. The purpose of the body, okay? So let's start there. The purpose of the body, uh, God made us as a soul to live forever with him. We've been, we, we talked about that the, two weeks ago, and we talked about the whole purpose and the nature of the soul. But he gave all of us a body. All of you have a body. Surprise, Right? And he gave us all a body to live in this place at this time to fulfill his purpose and to to fulfill the plan that he has for this moment in history. The body that you had was strategically placed in this moment, in this time for his purpose to fulfill God's plan for you. See, it's, it's through our bodies that God has given us this specific time and has placed us in a specific family culture with a specific gender and a specific set of talents to be used for him because God is specific. God's not just throwing things out there and saying, let's see what happens today, right? We, we call those people mad scientists. Let's mix these two things together and see what happens. No, God is very intentional in what he does. And it's important to understand that as we identify and as we receive this, this is when we find the purpose of God and when we experience what it says, what Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, I gave to, I've come to give you life to the full. But this is found as we identify and receive with what God has given us, that how God, he's, he's laid out all this for me. And as I surrender it to him and live for him through my body is what Paul says, it's a living sacrifice. But in order to do this, I need to first take control of the body that God has given me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says this. It says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. Think about that. God made you for his glory, and then when we strayed away, We were so valuable to God that he bought us again at a high price. So you must honor God with your body. This body that we have was created by God to be a vessel that the Holy Spirit lives in, that the very Spirit of God lives in, where he dwells in, and he's alive in us. This is why the how 
of how we were created is so important. Now, I know grammatically that doesn't really make sense, right? But Stephanie's not here today, so. <laughs> She's traveling home to see her parents today, so. But this is why the how. How we were made is so important. Our gender specified by God, uh, the nature that's inside of us, specified by God, our ethnicity, our culture, where we were born, our gifts and our abilities, all of these were created by and assigned by God to reflect who God is. It's so important that we grasp this today. Because see, these are sacred things. When we talk about our sexuality, and that's the big topic, it's been the big topic, and it's come to, to a head in our culture right now. But these things are so important because they are sacred to us because they are covered with the fingerprints of God. They're covered with the fingerprints of God. It's a sacred issue to us. His image is on them. Every nation, every tribe, male, female, we all reflect who God is. Everybody. That's why the sanctity of life is so important. It's made by God. It's a sacred issue. Ephesians 2.10, we've been quoting this throughout the series, says that we are God's masterpiece. You want to see a masterpiece? Look around the room today. You want to score some points? Look at someone you care about and say, you're a masterpiece. Now, if you don't know them very well, you just got really creepy with somebody, okay? But we are all God's masterpiece. It says he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago because God's a planner. He's strategic. And when we discover and when we embrace how God made us, this is when we find our purpose. This, and we find our purpose and we come alive to the things of God. And I want you to hear this today, that when we recognize this and when we receive this today, that the potential is limitless when we live this way. The potential that you have when we talk about serving God, when we talk about following God, when we talk about living for God, the potential that you have as a Christ follower is limitless, is powerful, it is exciting. And we often don't embrace that, right? We think about, the Bible talks about to count the cost and we need to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And yes, that is true. We lay everything down, but do you know what we get in return? The very Spirit of God alive in us, that empowers us, that equips us, that tells me what to say when I don't know what to say. How many of you have walked through situations where you're like, I don't know what to say right now? The Holy Spirit comes in and guides us, empowers us, shows us the way. I mean, think about it. When we remember who God is, when we remember that he made us, handcrafted all of us in his image, and when we surrender our lives to him and he fills us, God's presence is accompanied by God's power, God's wisdom, and God's love. This is why the potential is limitless. Do you hear me getting a little excited today? Because going through, I've been around this my whole life. I grew up in Sunday school. I answered the altar call for salvation every week in Sunday school. But reading this this week and going over it, the Lord was reminding me. He's like, do you have any idea the potential that is there through me, this God speaking, through the power of God? Because we often forget it. I've forgotten. How many of you have forgotten that in your life? And you're going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God's saying, I'm God. You're going to look to me. It's no wonder that Jesus said, you will do greater things. 
One of the most powerful verses, John 14, he said, he said, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Holy cow. So what does this mean? What does this mean is that wherever there are fully devoted followers of Christ, wherever they go, the purpose of God is lived out through them. In areas of business, in medicine, in academia, in trade, in the, in the fields where artisans go, in family life, in our homes, in areas of IT, wherever, there is a difference when we live boldly for God, when we live that surrendered life being full of him. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But when we walk in that way, and when we remind ourselves that God is with us, that even when I don't feel it is working, even when I don't see it is working, because he is God, and I trust him, things change. And I want to remind you today of who God is and who you are in him as you fully surrender your life to him. Because it's all about God. So before we step, on, step and move forward today, here's a question that I want you to ask yourself. Ask yourself, do I recognize how God has made me? You need to be reminded today. However, how, whatever age you are, where, however you got here today, do you recognize how God has made you? And this week, th this is maybe too much right now in this moment, but this is a great exercise for you to walk through, just to write down, what gifts, abilities, and opportunities has God placed in my life? Now, I recognize there are narcissistic people out there and people prone to arrogance, and we all are prone to pride in those things. But my experience has been, when I talk to a lot of people about, about gifts, they go, oh, I don't, I don't have any gifts, right? You have been built with gifts and abilities. And this may be a good time for you to ask people and say, what do you see in me? We've been doing that today with people who have come up. We've said, we see this in you, we see that in you. And I ask other people, what gifts do you see in this person? And they just immediately start coming up with it. You need to be reminded of it, not, not because you can puff yourself up, but because you can know your purpose and how God is leading you out because you all have gifts. God's fingerprints are over all of you. And you need to identify that. And the purpose of the body that we have is because this is where it's lived out. We weren't made just to live in our heads. We weren't made just to live in our heart. We were made for, as those are transformed, that our bodies are natural reflections. They respond naturally to the transformative work of God in our lives. This is the purpose of the body. This is the power of the body, to be his hands and feet wherever we go. It's pretty powerful to think about, isn't it? And it's true. This is true. But if you're like me, there's times that you may feel that you're missing. Have you ever felt like you're missing something in life? Because I can get up and go, woohoo! all this power, all this potential. And then I can go home and get a bad email and I go, oh, life is over. <laughs> right? <laughs> because we're human, we can be on the mountaintop one time and we can slide down. No reference made there. And, you know, but we, we can slide down pretty quickly. So why is that? Why do we feel at times that we're missing it? Well, we're missing it because it's the challenge of the body. God gave us a body to be used for him, but the body is challenging, isn't it? The body is challenging. See, since it's in our body that we live and enact God's purpose, our body, what the Bible calls the flesh, is always attacked. 
Our bodies are under attack. We're in a fallen and broken world living for a risen Savior. And the fallen world will always attack and resist anybody who tries to live for Christ. See, when, think about it this way. When sickness enters the body, its goal is to take over and dominate, right? The goal of a sickness or a disease or anything, which, you know, we're all medical experts now, right? In the world, we're all Googling it. So we're, we're all following this stuff. But the nature of a sickness and a disease is not just to have a little spot and say, I'm just going to stay here and not affect the rest of the body. No, the nature of any disease, any sickness that comes in is to take over and dominate. And any threat to it is viciously attacked. You will be assimilated or you will be destroyed. This is the nature of it. That's why our body is one of the primary, ba- primary barriers to conformity to Christ. See, the body is viewed as the primary way that we get and find pleasure. When we think about finding pleasure, when we think about enjoying ourselves, it tends to come back to the flesh, right? I'm gonna, for some, you know, the older you get, there's nothing more pleasurable than a good nap <laughs> because you're tired. There's times in my life when the greatest ple- one of the greatest pleasures of my life would be found in going out and playing basketball or going for a nice long run. I have to work harder at that pleasure now. But the body, when we think about enjoying ourselves, when we think about it, we think about everything from eating a good meal to sexual pleasure to enjoying a walk through the woods. And often pleasure is defined as the absence of suffering. That as long as I'm not suffering, I'm happy. As long as the body's not feeling any pain, I'm good. As a result, when we suffer or observe what appears to be senseless suffering, even of other people, we often ask, where is God? Why doesn't God stop the pain and suffering? It's probably one of the number one questions that I come across when I talk to people who are struggling with the idea of Christ or they, don't, they believe he doesn't exist at all. They say, I believe there's a God. I look at creation. I look at things going on and, and I, I've, I've studied science and I see there's something behind it, but I don't think God cares because why is there suffering? Why are these things happening? And I want to say the questions are good and helpful when it comes to our spiritual development and that God welcomes them. I mean, Jesus modeled the way for us to live and have you noticed how often Jesus asks questions? Always asking questions. When Adam was in sin, God went to Adam and said, where are you? Not because he didn't know where Adam was, but because he wanted Adam to recognize where he was. Questions are good. The challenge comes when we move from questioning to doubt and ultimately rejecting. We're, we're not asking to find out, but we're just where the enemy can come in and use it to harden our hearts. And I think this is especially difficult for us when we believe that God is not behaving the way that we think he should, or even, even would if we were God. This is when we start that slide away from, from God. I mean, this is what happened to Cain. Cain expected God to receive his sacrifice, his worship, And when God didn't behave the way that Cain thought, what happened? Well, the rest is history. His heart became hard. Jealousy came in. Anger came in. And as a result, Cain killed his brother and was cursed for the rest of his life. 
See, as it relates to this whole problem of pain, and this, this is not a problem of pain sermon. C.S. Lewis has a great book on that. Timothy Keller has an incredible book on that. I'm on my third reading through. It's, it's an amazing, amazing treatise on that. But we need to recognize in this that the actions that we take, all of us, affect the world that we live in. Because when I think about pain and suffering, it's very easy for me to go, it's that person's fault or that person's my enemy, but I've hurt people before. Have you? Anybody else here ever hurt anybody? We've all been hurt and we've all caused hurt. There's even hurt that we've done for others that we don't even know about or recognize until they come to us. And we're often surprised. See, when we engage in actions that are outside of what God has for us, this is called sin, missing the mark. We contribute to the pain and the suffering and the brokenness of our world. And sometimes we see the consequences of our actions and sometimes we ignore them because they're too difficult for us to look at and we often work very hard to remove ourselves from those things. And though we are often the cause of pain, individually and collectively as humans, physical pain and suffering is what many point to as still one of the sources of their doubt or their existence. See, we struggle with the idea that pain and God can exist because of our flesh. In other words, if God is real and he's all-powerful, then why is it there? And this is why Satan's attack will always focus on the body because he knows that we don't handle physical pain well. See, Satan knows that our body, our flesh, will always fight to be in charge. And Satan knows that if our body wins that fight to be in charge of us, that we will die. Because we're following the body. Do you know where the body is headed? Not to shock anybody, but one day I'm going to die. My kids always say, Dad, don't say that. <laughs> but that's a reality, right? Aren't you glad you're being encouraged today in this way? <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> it's, it's a reality. It's a reality. The flesh was not made to live forever. But if you follow the flesh, that's why Jesus said, what, what good is it to gain the whole world but lose your soul? The soul is forever, but we follow the flesh. That's just, you know, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. This, 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 this is what Paul was saying, that when the body is in charge, we share the same fate. Romans 8 said, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. See, when we start following the flesh, we start becoming our own God. And I am a terrible God. It is unsustainable. That's why Paul says that the mindset on the flesh, it's hostile towards God. Because God is viewed as a threat. And we're, we're experiencing that culturally, that any ideology that opposes the cultural views of today is seen as a threat and it's demonized and it's made to be evil. That's why there's so much hostility. 
because we, we're such a flesh-focused society, and I mean for all of us. We all struggle with it. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We all struggle with lust. I mean, there's all, there's, there, are, there are all these things to please the body. Overeating is tough for me. Actually, it's very easy for me. All these things. So when the body's in charge, this is our struggle. We have all this potential. God gave us the body to live for him, but we have this challenge of the body. So before we go into this hope, how we live for God, how, we, how the body conforms to the way that God made us, ask yourself, uh, where, where is your body? I know your body's here, but where is your body getting in the way of your walk with Christ and your spiritual development? These are deep issues, and these are core issues. And again, things you may want to ask during the week, or if you're in a group where you feel safe doing this, and I, and I hope you, you do, just talk about, where's my body getting in the way? Where's the flesh getting in the way? It's so important to identify, because God's come to give us life. Jesus has come to give us life to the full. So where is this flesh of mine getting in the way? Do that this, this week. Identify that this week. All right, you ready for some hope? Yes. So how do we worship God with all of our strength in this body? How do we, how do we deal with this? Well, first of all, we got to deal with the purpose of suffering because we're all going to suffer, right? We're all going to suffer in some way, in some form in our life because the body is given to pain. So we need to deal with it. And Tim Keller, in that book that I was mentioning earlier, he says that the great theme of the Bible itself is how God brings fullness of joy, not just despite, but through suffering. Just as Jesus saved us, not in spite of, but because of what he endured on the cross. That as we look to the purpose of it, as we see it, that it actually becomes a source of joy. I mean, even at a very elementary level, if you were unable to feel pain, you would have a very difficult life. If you didn't know that the stove was hot when you touched it and pull it away, what would happen? You would damage your hand. There's a a level of pain that becomes very protective to show us that something is wrong, something is off here. But there's also that aspect of pain where it's a development, you, you know? I mean, I had coaches that would look at me and say, are you ready for pain today, boys? And the more painful the practices, the greater freedom we had in the game. Because the time to find out that you are not conditioned is in a practice, not during the game because that will be very embarrassing. I think we've all watched things or experienced things like that. Again, that's why James said that when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity. How many of you want some of those opportunities for great joy, right? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There's things that we go through that don't make sense. There are things that other people will do that will bring consequences into your life. There are things that you will do that will bring consequences to other people's life, and there are things that just don't make sense, but when we we bring them all to God and we say, God, I trust you in this. And there are things that happen in this broken world that it's, he's not bringing them to you, but he's saying, if you trust me, I will use them in your life. 
I've seen great saints, great men and women of God who have walked through incredibly different, difficult situations. They've, they've had to walk through the loss of a loved one. They've had to walk through things like the loss of a child that breaks your heart. And I've seen what it looks like to ignore God in it. And I've seen people walk through when they've said, yet I will trust you, God. Yet I will praise you. And the difference is remarkable in a person's life. Even in my life, Times when I've acknowledged God and say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you and walk it out. Versus times when I've been like, I'm struggling right now. I'm mad right now. And I start to walk away. But when I turn to God, everything changes. Everything changes. Still difficult, still tough. All those things are there. But the difference with God and the difference without God is dramatic. And this all comes down to having the right perspective. It all comes down, we're in a broken world, and we need to have a right perspective. See, if God is not behaving as we think he should, one of the main reasons may be we have a wrong view of God or a small view of God. Been there, done that. Right? See, ask questions, seek, not call on the Lord. Tell him everything, but a key spiritual development aspect for us to have is the big word called trust. And trust is difficult when things don't go the way we want. Trust is difficult when the flesh is not being appeased. It's very difficult. So how do we trust in our questions? We need to be careful to ask and to seek from the position that we are not God. I am not God. Captain Obvious here today. He is God. See, our position limits our understanding. The position that we're in today, we are limited in our understanding. We're limited historically. We don't know everything that got us to this point. You may know a lot of things, but we, we don't know everything that got us to this point. We are limited intellectually. We don't understand the way that God does. That's why Isaiah wrote, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the, than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There was, there was uh, some studies, I'm reading this, this uh, new book that I haven't finished, so I'm not ready to recommend it yet, but one of the things, the data and some research that they were pulling into is this whole idea of this enlightenment to where from the standpoint of that, the, the, the further we go, the more technologically advanced we get, the more informed we are, the smarter we get, the better we get, and and the less that we will believe in God because we're enlightened, we know more. And that the whole idea of IQs, and there's this even this, this, even this uh, the study that was going into that was the thought that back in the 1900s that you know, the IQ was very low because they didn't have IT, but over time that the IQs would, would, would move forward. And, but there's studies now, not the IQ testing, that came later, but from the aspect that as they start looking further back, they're actually discovering that people were actually smarter back in the early 1900s than they are today collectively. Not you, of course, but... See, we need to recognize before we get too full of ourselves and too full of our technology that there's a difference in being, being filled with information and a difference in being filled with wisdom, isn't there? Big difference. 
And one of the big things relates to perspective. I mean, this, this was God's response to Job. When Job questioned God, and if you're familiar with that, I encourage you to dive into it. God questioned Job's perspective. And he said, all right, Job, you got a question? Here's, I got a question for you. He says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation, Job? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what words footing set? Or who laid his cornerstone while the morning song sang together and all of the angels shouted, surely you know, Job. Do you know? I've had similar responses from God before. Why is this happening? And why is it going through? What's happening? Why can't, why can't we keep going this way? <laughs> the response from God is, oh, tell me, Dwayne. Were you there? Do you know what's happening? Very quickly, I withdrew my, <laughs> my lack of wisdom. That's perspective. Very quickly this morning. The other area is position. We need a right perspective, but we also need to position our bodies for God's power in us. See, right now, your presence here, it reveals that you have a desire to position your life for God. You're wor- we've been worshiping God today. We've been gathering with other believers today to encourage and to grow together. And we want our desires to walk in obedience before the Lord, receiving his life-changing word that we're gathering around today. But so many have gotten off track by being out of position, by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's all about position. We did a series about being in that ready position, being ready, that we're positioning ourselves with God, that whatever he says, he says to us to do and gives us direction, that we're in that ready position saying, God, I'm ready, I'm positioned, I'm here where you've called me to be. I've got my life laid out before the word. See, this is what Jesus did. Jesus came to earth. Part of the purpose of, of Jesus coming to earth was to show us how to live. So how did Jesus teach us to position ourselves? We talk about this all the time, but it's it's prayer. Prayer. We often overestimate how much we pray. We believe in the power of it, but we need to remind ourselves of this again. The power of prayer, again, was so evident in the life of Jesus that it was the thing that the disciples said, Jesus, show us how to pray. How did Jesus pray? Jesus prayed privately. He would often go away alone, even when people were like, "Where, where are you going, Jesus? It was just, he devoted himself to private prayer. Jesus, he also prayed publicly. He regularly prayed in the temple, even though it was not very welcoming at times to Jesus. He publicly prayed. And when the disciples failed to do what Jesus told them to do, Jesus would point them back to their prayer life. You need to be praying. You need to be a people of prayer, laying your life before God. And we need to be reminded of the power of this because even though the disciples saw the power in it, they often failed to do it. When even on the night that Jesus was betrayed, they couldn't even pray for an hour. And he told them, here's here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give my life. Can you pray with me? Can you pray with me? And they fell asleep. And I mean, every pastor will tell you, know what service is the most difficult to get people to come out to? It's a prayer service. 
Can we pray for an hour together? Would you pray for me? Can we pray for the body of Christ? Can we pray for the community? Can we pray together that, God, you would use us moving forward? Can we pray for all the needs that are here, that people can come forward, and together we can surround them and pray for them? There is amazing power in prayer because we're talking to God, and God's talking to us. And we do it privately, but we do it collectively because God put us together as a body. We need to be people of prayer. If we're going to move forward as a community, we need to be a people of prayer. Not just praying alone. It's important to pray alone, but we need to pray together. I need you. We need each other. Amen. (laughs) Preach it. (laughs) We need it. We need it, and we know that. But the body gets in the way. I'm tired tonight. I got this going on tonight. This is happening tonight. The Kraken are praying, playing tonight. Well, come and pray for the Kraken. I am. <laughs> yeah, and other things. So we need, we need to be people of prayer. But there's also purpose. See, Jesus was committed to doing the will of the Father. And when we talk about how we worship God with all of our strength with this body. We need to know our purpose, but we need to be committed to our purpose. I mean, how often was this Jesus answer, right? He's like, no, I'm committed to doing the will of the Father. I'm committed to doing with my body the will of the Father. That's why Jesus even said in John 4, 34, he said, you know what my food is? My food is to do the will of the Father. My food, my nourishment. And food for me is a very pleasing thing. My food, the thing that pleases me the most, the thing that nourishes me, the thing that enables me to do, to walk forward, to get up out of bed in the morning, is doing the will of the Father, doing the purpose that he's given me. See, sometimes we're so tired and tempted because we're not actively pursuing or living out the purpose that God has given us to do. If God made us for one thing, we continue to try to force something over here doing it, we're going to be exhausted over here. When we do what we were made to do, what he's placed in us. Yeah, there's times it's tired, there's times it's exhausting. There's times it's difficult and frustrating and all those things. But the the joy that comes in that, I got to tell you, one of the, I can't tell you, when when I was working for the coffee house and I would get on the bus and I'd be so exhausted, do you know what would just, just flood me more than any coffee or Red Bull or any vitamins could? When I would go to the back of the bus and somebody would open a door for me to talk to them about Jesus. And then if they gave their life to Christ, which happens so many times, do you know what kind of day I had? Awesome day. (laughs) It was incredible. When people I care about open their life to me and we pray together, and it's a real conversation, even though it's difficult, I walk away and go, God, thank you. This is the purpose. See, we need to live it out because faith without works is dead. God's given you all the faith you need. You don't need more faith. You need more action. The faith needs to be attached to the substance of it, right? It's the substance of things hoped for. It needs to be attached to the will of God. But you have all the faith that you need. You just need, we just need to act on it. We need to act on it and see that faith come alive in us. 
That's why it says you'll need the faith of a mustard seed. Dr. Tony Evans says it so well. Dr. Tony Evans says, you don't need any more faith. God has given you all the faith you need. Jesus even said, if you only need the faith the size of a mustard seed. He said, what we need today in the body of Christ is to act on the faith that God has given us. More actions with our bodies. These are how, this is how our bodies live and worship God, by taking action on what we know to do. Walking in boldness, experiencing the power of God in our life. This is where we find that life to the full. This is where we find that worshiping with our bodies. And I'll tell you this, because sometimes the lie of the enemy, and you need to know that the original language, of, that the, the chief language of Satan is lies. The father of lies. Everything he says is a lie. And sometimes he'll say, well, your body did this over here, so now you can't do it. That's a lie confess, receive forgiveness, and now bring your body into submission by doing the will of the Father. Jesus showed so many times that when people would walk away, he'd bring them to repentance and forgiveness, and now we'd say, all right, feed my sheep. All right, walk in the purpose that I've given you. All right, now, let's get back on track. Jesus gets us back on track when we fail. We've been saying this throughout the whole series. Condemnation is saying, I know what you did, and you're no good. You'll never get out. Conviction says, I see what you did. Let's fix it. Confess it. Receive forgiveness. And now, here's how I made you. He's put all those things in your body, your purpose, your plan. He made you. When you look in the mirror, you need to look in the mirror and say, this is how God made me. This is how God made me for his purpose. If you're an artist, if you're a person of science, if you're a mom with your kids, this is how God made me to pour into my kids today. So God, they're wearing me out. <laughs> but you're going to give me strength. You're going to give me strength. I remember the times that Steph and I couldn't have kids. God, this is how you made me. I don't have any kids. That, that's hurtful. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Whatever you have, I'm going to love those around me. And we walked through eight years of pain. And now four kids later, who have taught me so much through that process, it's that work of God, step by step. If you're sick, wherever you are today, God, this is my body, I give it to you. Let it be a living sacrifice for your glory. Ask yourself, where am I missing it in worshiping God with all my strength, my body? Is it perspective? Is my perspective off today? Am I putting myself unknowingly or knowingly in the position of God being in charge when I need to surrender, when I need to recognize who God is? Is it position? Am I out of position today? And I invite you just to close your eyes and just ask that to the Lord. Am I in the wrong place? Am I going to the wrong places? And the other side of that, are there places that I'm not going that you're calling me to go, but I'm scared? Are there conversations you're asking me to have, but I'm scared?
Lord, make us a people of prayer. Fill us with your purpose. I pray in your name. Amen. Just all over this building, just close your eyes. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I believe there's a work. There's a work that God wants to do in your life today. A healing work, a perspective work, a positioning work. If he's revealed anything to you just conf- that needs to be confessed, just confess it to the Lord now and receive that forgiveness. If you're doubting the purpose, if you're filled with insecurity, you know, insecurity is when I'm depending on myself, but God gave you a purpose that was coming alive as you depend on him. If I look to myself, I'm going to be insecure. I'm going to be in a position. God gave you a purpose, not that you could be self-sufficient. God gave you a purpose so you could be God-dependent, God-sufficient, filled with him to be a miracle for him. Do your work in us today, oh God. We dedicate, Lord, we, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, we know that it recognizes that we need to surrender. We need to lay down our bodies. But it's a living sacrifice that we, when we surrender to you, the great miracle is that you resurrect us. You raise us up. And we, though we lay it down, we are alive. We find that life in you. So, Lord, help us as we walk to be that living sacrifice. Lord, help us to stay positioned with you, to have the perspective that you would have us to to take on, to be men and women of prayer. Regularly, prayer without ceasing, laying our lives before you. Because, Lord, we know that it's, the potential is limitless as we surrender you. No matter where we find ourselves, your power is not limited by age. It's not limited by anything. No matter how young we are, how old we are, or any of that, it's just based on you alive in us. So, Lord, live in our bodies that we would worship you with all our strength. This is our benediction today. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus.